Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this lesson from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will equip and motivate you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. kind of unfair that we get to enjoy this beautiful, amazing weather, get to enjoy this weekend, and so many, so many thousands, thousands, thousands of people are just fighting to survive as of the effects of Hurricane Harvey. I want to take a time and pray for the victims, for the volunteers, for all of those that have been affected by Hurricane Harvey down in Texas, Governor Abbott, the governor of Texas, declared that September 3rd, today, be a day of prayer for Texas. So all across the state of Texas, I know they're praying, and hopefully and prayerfully all across America, churches are taking opportunity today to just push the pause button in life and reflect and think about all of those, many have lost their lives and devastation. Just, I can't imagine. I just cannot imagine. I was telling Debbie, we are camping this weekend up at uh, Pierre Marquette. Beautiful, gorgeous weather. And I was sitting out at the campsite yesterday and I told Debbie, I said, it just doesn't seem fair, does it? On this Labor Day weekend, we're just enjoying this beautiful weather enjoying all that God has blessed us with. And right now, while we're laid back in our recliners, sitting in the sun, enjoying the beautiful scenery all around us, there's people fighting for their life, fighting for survival. They don't have a home to go back to. Can you imagine? I'm not talking about an inch of water. We had a flood here at the church when our fire suppression system erupted, and we had a few inches of water. Could you imagine a few feet, several feet of water in your home? I just can't imagine. They have, they have nothing to go back to. So today we just want to pray. We want to pray for obviously the victims, for those that have lost their lives, for the family members that remain. We want to pray for them, for those that have lost their homes, lost everything, everything, uprooted and gone. We want to remember them. But also, let's don't forget the volunteers. Let's don't forget the first responders, the police officers, the firemen. Let's don't forget, what is it, 14,000 National Guard in the state of Texas that has been called in. Let's don't forget our military that now are being deployed down to that area that's helping with all of that. I mean, there are so many that are sacrificing and giving so much to help one another. Many of you have reached out to me and asked what we could do. And we've been in contact, or I have, with the Hanna Project. This is through our denomination. It's a worldwide hope, help, healing ministry to where we're able to send volunteers and organize a disaster relief 
through our denomination to go down and help. We have a lot of our churches in that area that are devastated, gone. A lot of pastors and our church family that have no homes. I know a lot of you have family that are in Texas that, um, that possibly have homes that are gone. So we've been asking what we could do. I've been in contact with the Hannah Project. I've been in contact with our Master's Men Department. I've been in contact with our denomination. What are we doing? And the best thing we have moving forward for us right now is through the Hannah Project. And many of you have reached out to me through text and emails and different things asking what we can do. The best thing I know to do right now and, and this comes from the lips of one of the pastors in one of the churches that has been completely flooded and lost everything. He said in their area right now, they have tractor-trailer loads of water and toilet paper and necessities and things of that nature that they need. They have plenty of that stuff. He said really what we need are finances to be able to go and purchase the things that we need to get our life back on track. And he said, so anything you can give. I want to say this. Any dollar that's given through the Hannah Project, 100% of that dollar, every penny of that dollar goes straight to Texas. It's not 25% to admin fees and 10% to transportation fees and all this other stuff that takes place that I'm always fearful of giving through because that the Hannah Project is a volunteer through our denomination. Every dime, every penny goes straight to their project of them helping in Hurricane Harvey with the victims and volunteers there. So we're going to pray, okay? But also, if you want to give, there are several ways you can give. If you want to earmark a check and just hand it to our ushers as you leave today, we have established a Hurricane Harvey account here, a fund here at Victory Church that will take donations, and we're going to give 100% of that directly to the Hannah Project to help them. So if you want to give through the church, you can do that. Many of you give online through our simple church, and this is our tithing online. If you just go to myvictory.church, it'll bring you to our, our home website. There's a dollar little icon there for giving. Click that. It takes you directly to our simple church giving. Many of you give your tithing offerings that way. We've created a drop-down menu box that says Hurricane Harvey Disaster Relief Fund. So you can give directly to that fund. All dollars, 100%, goes directly to the Hannah Project. Or you can go to the Hannah Project at thehannahproject.org and you can go there to their website and give directly to them. All of these are tax-deductible gifts, which at the end of the day, that really doesn't matter to me, but I know it does matter to some. But these are ways that we can give. And so I almost feel guilty of us being able to enjoy our church, enjoy our church family, enjoy this beautiful weather when there's so many thousands of our American brothers and sisters that are fighting for their life today. So why don't we pray, and then whatever way we can assist you in giving, uh, we've tried to put the links out there. I have flooded probably your email box with emails about this. I have sent text messages about this. It's all over Facebook. It's all over Twitter. It's all over LinkedIn. Every social media outlet that I am on, I've been flooding it to you so you can get the information of how we can together help with the hurricane victims and volunteers down in Texas. It's probably the least we can do is to be able to send our prayers and our money to be able to help. There may be opportunities when they get into the... Right now they're in the survival phase. Then they'll get into the rebuilding phase. And through our denomination, through the Hannah Project, through our Master's Men Department, there will be opportunities for you to go 
and help rebuild. So I will keep you up to date on all of that as we progress. But right now, the best thing we can do is pray and send some funds to the troops, if you will, that are already on the ground there that are helping, okay? So why don't we just uh, pray together? You don't have to get up out of your seat, but if you can reach the person next to you, why don't you just reach and hold their hand? And that just shows a sign of unity. And Scripture says, where any two believers agree on any one thing, it shall be done. I believe in that. Uh, Scripture says that, that the Lord is there to hear and answer our prayers. He says, call unto me, Jeremiah. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things which you know not. The psalmist says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I like that. So let's call on the Lord. Let's ask God to just intervene, to work. Our nation is so divided today. It's so divided in so many different ways. And it makes me sick to see the division that's taking place in our nation today because of stinking politics. We need healing across our nation. Do you agree? I don't care what the color of your skin is. I love you. Amen? I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your ethnic background may be. We are one. And especially as believers in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. And our mission here at Victory Church is to love God, to love others, pass our faith to the next generation. That's what we intentionally try to live out. So let's pray. Let's pray for healing of our nation. Let's pray for hurricane victims and volunteers. Father, we need you. So much we need you. Take the hurricane out of the picture. We are in dire need of you. With our nation divided as it is. and Man looking to man trying to fix different things. God, we need you. We don't need man. We don't need all these different groups rising up saying they've got the answer. God, we need you. I pray as a nation that we would turn our hearts toward you. We pray for hope and we pray for healing. That only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we turn our attention now to the victims and the volunteers of Hurricane Harvey. And we also even know that there's another hurricane looming. It's close. Father, we pray for them. We pray for these that have been affected through Hurricane Harvey. For those that have lost their lives. We pray, God, for their families that you would encourage them, bless them, fill them with your presence. We pray for the victims that have lost everything, everything they've worked for. Many of them, over 80%, had no flood insurance. They have no hope outside of you. Father, we pray for them today. We just pray, God, that you would encourage their hearts Help them to look to the right and look to the left and see their mom and dad, husband, wife, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, friend, neighbor, co-worker. And realize that the most important thing we have in life is each other. Help them to be able to put their arms around each other regardless of what their race may be, what their ethnic background may be, what their belief system may be, what their political agenda may be. 
Help us, God, as your children to embrace one another and be strong and realize the most important thing in life is to have each other. Homes can be replaced as devastating as it is. Cities can be rebuilt. Help us to realize the most important things are the lives of people around us. We pray for the victims of Hurricane Harvey. We pray for the volunteers that are completely worn out. For the first responders, police officers, firefighters, volunteers who are just unhooking their boats and reaching out to save who they can. We pray, God, for our National Guard. The last number I heard was 14,000. We pray for them, for their safety. We pray you give them strength. I know that our military is being involved. I don't know the extent, but God, you do. And I pray, God, for every man, woman that's involved in that endeavor at home and abroad. Father, I pray you be with them. Keep them safe. And God, we can rise. I think the songs today have been appropriate for what's taking place. I pray for those. We can rise through this with your help. Thank you for a governor that believes in prayer. When things are going good, we really don't believe in prayer, but... When our back's against the wall and all we've got left, everybody yells, pray. Thank you for a governor that set us out a day to pray for Texas. We lift up Texas. We lift up Louisiana. We lift up everyone that's been affected by this Hurricane Harvey and the one that may be coming to shore. We don't know yet. We pray for all those that may be in their path, in that path. Father, Thank you for a church family that loves one another, that loves you, and that's willing to give. We pray that you bless those that give to this endeavor. I've tried to do my due diligence to find a trustworthy group to give through. Father, help us to be able to support those in the Hanna Project, those in our National Master's Men Department that are working in Texas as we speak. Bless them. Bless the giver. Bless each one that gives a penny or a thousand dollars. It doesn't matter. Bless everybody that gives. Use it to help us rebuild Texas and Louisiana. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Terry, for playing during that time. Wow, it's kind of hard to come out of a time like that and get straight into a, a sermon, is it not? Uh, but it's good to see you all today and appreciate uh, Brother Paul and his uh, three-week sermon series that he has shared the last three weeks. Thank you, Paul, for, for sharing that. I uh, hope and pray you guys enjoyed that. It's good to see several of you, and I've got a list here of some of you that have gone through some trying times this week. Uh, I see Marie in the back had an accident, uh, I think it was yesterday? Yesterday had an accident, was T-boned in the side, and so glad she is okay and uh, here at church this morning. Also, uh, Karen Kirkwood in and out of the hospital with some surgery, and so Miss Karen, glad that you and your family are here in church this morning. And Miss Carrie Riley had some surgery, so glad Miss Carrie is here today. And uh, and also Jacob, and I don't know if he's in here right now. 
He's part of the praise team. Is Jacob in here? I know he's been in and out of the hospital with um, finding out that uh, I believe he's diabetic. And so uh, we want to continue to pray for, uh, for Jacob. And it's good to see the Malone family. Always an honor to, uh, to have the Malone family with us today. And Kaylee, I think there's going to be another grandbaby in the Malone family. So Kaylee, stand up. I don't know if everybody knows you or not, but congratulations and on the new baby. So what is the due date? January 4th. All right. So give her a hand. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. Malone. And those grandbabies out here are awesome. I got two grand dogs. Okay. And they're pretty cool also. But uh, we're kind of waiting on grandbabies. Right. Awesome. I just have a habit of looking over this way. Really no, nothing really intended by that. Awesome. All right, you should have received a, uh, a sermon note handout today, and I'll try to be brief. It's already 1020, and uh, I feel like um, we've taken a lot of your time today. Uh, but I want to share a little bit from God's Word with you concerning Labor Day. I really have two or three different trains of thought uh, going with this. One is lifestyle evangelism. You know, how do we live out our faith on a daily basis? And I'll get into this in just a moment, so don't try to follow me right now, Phil. But, but part of the problem is in our life is that we kind of categorize things and we put the secular over here and we put the spiritual over here. And I want to try to help you realize that everything is spiritual. Okay? So we're going to talk a little bit about that, that today. So that's one train of thought. The other train of thought is, is how, do we, how do we share our faith on the work side? This being Labor Day. Okay? How do we share our faith on the job? And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that. And actually, I want to share with you about three things you'll see on your sermon notes that will help us in serving God where we work. And then I want to give you four little practical suggestions that you can actually put in practice Tuesday whenever you go back to work. Most of you, I'm assuming, are off on Monday, right? Right? So uh, let's pray together and we'll jump right into this. And I just hope you find it beneficial for you today. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our church family and each one that's here. Uh, we ask your blessings on our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you a question. This being Labor Day, we're going to talk a little bit about lifestyle evangelism. But this being Labor Day, it's kind of ironic that we get off work to celebrate the fact that we're, we work. Right? Is it not somewhat hypocritical to take off work on Labor Day? I mean, if we really want to celebrate Labor Day, we would go to work without pay, right? No? I didn't think that would go over really good. But Labor Day, it's kind of a, uh, it really, growing up in North Carolina, Labor Day was always a big deal because that, that signified the end of summer, and I guess it does all across the nation. But the reason I say in North Carolina, because we have two vacation resorts in our state. You go to the western part of the state, and that's where the mountains are. You go to the eastern part of the state, and that's where the beaches are. So when I was going to school, school did not start until the week after Labor Day. Why do you think that was? We wanted the tourist dollars, right? Don't want to mess up anybody's vacation to be able to go on vacation on Labor Day. So it's kind of um, always been one of those uh, holidays that sticks in my mind uh, growing up, thinking about, okay, that means school is going to start. We're getting back in the routine. Summer is over. But really, we're celebrating the fact that we get to labor. Now, let me give you a hashtag phrase. Here it is, and I don't even have this on the slide. I'm just, it's just coming aspartaneously right here, okay? Um, let me give you, here's your hashtag phrase, work 
is not the curse. Okay? Work. Say it with me. Work is not the curse. Hashtag work is not the curse. Say it again. Hashtag work is not the curse. Listen, it's not a curse to work. That wasn't the curse. Right? Way before Adam and Eve sinned, he gave them a job description of what they were to do. They were to keep the garden. They were to work. So I want you to understand that working is really ordained by God. And by the way, another disclaimer, another sermon. I'm not going to deal with it today. But when you get to heaven, honey, you ain't going to be floating around on some cloud with a harp like an angel just kind of playing music all day. You're going to be working. Right? You're going to be learning. Heaven's going to be a place of schooling. Right? You're going to learn some things. You're going to be working. And that's a whole other sermon. Maybe I'll come back and do a sermon series on heaven and what that will be like and what we can glean from Scripture. But God is all about work. What is the curse? The curse now is that we sweat, we get tired, we get fatigued when we're working, but work is not the curse. So happy Labor Day, right? Celebrate the fact that you have a job. Celebrate the fact that you get to go to work. You could not have a job. You could not have that home that you live in. You could not have some of the things. The reason you do have that is because God has provided something for you called a J-O-B. Hello? Look at that job as a blessing from God. I say that with a smile on my face. Because most folks do not. Matter of fact, there was a survey and I think, oh, Phil, you are awesome back there. Go back. Look what he did. He just created that right there for us. Great job on the slides, man. Work is not the curse. You need to hashtag that out, everybody, okay? Go ahead and do that. Matter of fact, surveys have been done, and it reveals that 65% of American workers are unhappy with their jobs. Could you imagine getting up every single Monday morning and dreading and hating the fact that you got to get up and go to that place that we call a job? How sad that is. I hope we can have a paradigm shift here a little bit today. I hope we can change that a little bit here today. So let me do a survey here within our congregation. Let me ask you, how many of you guys are really, really upset that you do not get to go to work on Monday? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are really, really excited that you get the day off on Monday? Raise your hand. Yeah, most people are I'm not going to get into the details of whether you're happy or unhappy with your job, but 65% of Americans, the survey tells us, are unhappy with their job. It's almost like the old uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford song. You remember that song? You load 16 tons, what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt. St. Peter, don't you call me cause I can't go. I owe my soul to the companies. Yeah, you guys remember that song? You right? Yeah, you don't remember that song? That's an old one, right? So, man, we, we get up every morning. We just go through the routine. Jamie, you never heard that song? Bless you, child. I'm going to have to send that. I, I am going to, I'm going to send that to you this week, okay? What a great song that is. How many of you guys heard that song, right? <laughs> Jamie, stand up, turn around. How many of you guys heard that song? I want you to look, right? <laughs> That's an old one. Here, I, w- I got a proposition for you. My goal today is to try to get you to do a paradigm shift 
with how you view your job and how you view work and how you realize. I want you to realize that it's not secular over here, and we call that the job, and spiritual over here, we call that the church. That is part of the problem. The problem is, is that we do categorize that. The problem is we divide things into the secular and into the spiritual. And I want you to see as a child of God, we can't do that. Matter of fact, you could do that back in the Old Testament. Right? I mean, over there you had the temple. Over there you had the tribe of Levon. Over here was everything else. You would go to the temple because that's where the Holy Spirit of God would dwell. That's where God would be. You'd go to the temple to meet God. And the Levites were the priests there. And that's where they would be. You would leave the temple and go back to the secular. That was in the Old Testament. But you know what the New Testament teaches? The New Testament teaches that we are priests. Right? We are holy priests. The New Testament teaches that our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament teaches that the Holy Spirit lives within us. So I want you to know, there is no dividing of secular and spiritual. It is all one, and that's part of the problem that we have in our lives today. So I want to look at these three things, and I want to try to break it down. I want to share with you three things this morning, and then give you four little practical tips that will help you. I want you to see, first of all, that I want you to see your everyday work as, everyday work as a service for God. That's the first thing I want you to see. Every single day that we work, I want you to see that as a service for God. Guys, do you realize that everything that we do, almost everything we do, affects someone else? I mean, think about the farmers who planted the corn and plant the crops so that we can have food. Think about the farmers who raise cattle. We were just talking with a, a dairy farmer last night, and he was from uh, Hoylton, Hoylton, I believe is how you say that, from that area. And he was a, a dairy farmer, and we were talking to him about all his life. He's been a, a dairy. Thank God for dairy farmers, right? Right? People that work so that we could be the recipient of that. So it affects what we do. We are the beneficiary of their labor. Think about, we were leaving uh, Pierre Marquette this morning early. About 6.30 we got up and left so we could get to church and get ready and get to church. And so we left early this morning. And as we were coming down the river road, you, ever, you guys ever been through there? That beautiful scenic river road coming down through there. We see all these barges. Now it's loaded with barges up through there right now because they say they've shut down some of the locks and dams because of all the flooding down at the end of the Mississippi and they're not letting all the barges through. So it's just loaded. And all these, all these individuals, the employees, these workers on these barges, thank God for them working. You know why? Because I'm the beneficiary of them working. I am the recipient of the one who planted the corn, the one now who's shipping the corn and getting the corn out to where we can eat it, and my wife working to put it on my plate so that I can be the re- I mean, it takes so many people working together so we can eat a plate, a plate of corn, right? We're the recipients of that. So I want you to see labor as a service to God. You think about Jesus. Here's your great illustration. Do you realize Jesus' public ministry was only about three, three and a half years. He did all that he did in about three, three and a half years. His public ministry did not start until he was 30 years old. Think about that. What was he doing prior to that? He was in his earthly father, if you will, shop, Joseph, carpenter shop. He was learning the trade of a carpenter. You know what he was doing? He was building chairs and seats 
so that people could sit on them. He was building tables so that people could sit on them. Carpenters would build houses so that people would have a place to live. There would be recipients of that. So everything that we do whenever we work, whenever we labor, affects other people around us. So I want you to see your everyday work as a service to God. Now let me give you a verse of Scripture to go with this. I want you to jot this one down. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. Scripture says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, get this part, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service or act of worship. We are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, in the Old Testament, what kind of a sacrifice was acceptable? Come on, guys, you know this. You would what? You would kill something and put it on the altar. A dead sacrifice was acceptable in the, Old Test- in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, the Lord wants our bodies to be a living sacrifice. So whenever we go on our jobs, we need to realize that every single day when we're on our jobs, we are on our jobs to be a service to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for God's glory. Second thing I want you to see, not only see your everyday work as a service for God. Second thing I want you to see is this, and jot this down in your notes. You can serve God where you work. You can serve God where you work. You may be saying, Pastor, you just don't understand. You just don't know my boss. You just don't know my employees or my coworkers. You don't know who I work with. You don't know what it's like to be out there in the secular world. You don't know the people I'm with. You don't know the struggles that I'm faced with. You don't know the language that I listen to. Let me tell you something. You can serve God where you work if you realize that everything is spiritual. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, I think is a great verse that kind of works with this. Now, in the scripture, it talks about slaves. Obviously, we know we don't have slaves today, right? But that was how it was. Even when the children of Israel were slaves, God gave them concerns on how they were supposed to act and live. Transfer the word slaves and put in workers. And it simply says this, workers, obey your human masters or your boss with fear and trembling in the sincerity of heart as to Christ. As we're working for the Lord, we are to be working for our boss men and women. So let me give you number three, and then I want to get into some of the practical things here. Third thing I want you to see is that all of us are ministers, every single one of us. Our ministers. Now, we may not be ordained ministers, and we may not be pastors who stand and preach and teach to a people, but all of us are ministers. In other words, we've all been called to be priests because Christ is living in us. Therefore, we have direct access to the throne room of God. So what we, we're called to be intercessory in prayer. We're called to be ministers, which is simply servants. Okay, A minister is just one who serves. So every single one of us, all of us together, are called to be ministers no matter who we are, no matter where we are. And I've had folks in the past say, Pastor, I would, I would love to do what you do. I would love to just be able to not have to go into a job and, and just read my Bible every day and, and just pray and just not have to deal with the people I have to deal with. Let me tell you something. I know exactly where you're coming from. 
I worked at UPS for 10 years before I went into full-time ministry. I've heard the language. I've heard the dirty jokes. I've seen the crudeness that takes place in the secular world. But I want you to know you can still be a witness for Christ in the midst of all of that regardless of where you work because we are all ministers, okay? Take, uh, for example, Daniel. You remember Daniel in the Old Testament? Daniel was an individual, was a teenage boy that was taken into Babylonian captivity, into a pagan land. So Daniel was captive in Babylon in a totally pagan environment, but he rose up to be a government official and he served God. But there's a verse of Scripture that I want you to see in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 20. Scripture says, when he reached the den, and was thrown into the lion's den, obviously we know the story. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God, get this part, whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Now, Daniel's in a pagan land with pagan people that at the time there was a pagan king, but he lived for God while he was there. And the scripture says that they knew that Daniel served God continually. My question to you, do your co-workers, does your boss know that about you? Can they say that about you? He or she is one that serves God continually. He or she is a person that loves the Lord. So it doesn't matter what environment you find yourself in, right? You can still be a servant for the Lord in whatever environment you find yourself in, okay? We're all ministers. So don't, sec- don't separate the secular and the spiritual. It's all one, right? We live every single day as we're living for the Lord, trying to bring Him honor and Him glory, but we've got to be careful how we do that. This is where the rubber meets the road. Let me give you four practical suggestions that can help you in your lifestyle evangelism. Four practical suggestions that can help you on Tuesday when you go back to work, how you can have the spiritual there, right? How you can live for Christ there. How you can share your faith there. Four things I want you to get real quick. Number one is this. Don't brag. Don't brag. Don't go into the job on on Tuesday morning bragging about how wonderful your Christian life is. Don't go in there bragging about how righteous you are. Don't go in there bragging about how much sin you've overcome. Don't go in there bragging about how you used to drink and used to party and now everything is great in your life. Don't go in there bragging about how wonderful a husband you have, which I know my wife has a hard time not ever saying that, right? I mean, I know that's difficult, but you can't go in bragging about that kind of stuff all the time. Because you know what? Self-righteousness has always been repulsive. Are you with me? You can go in there and be the salt of the earth and the light of the world without being a braggart. All you're doing is turning people off. As a pastor, I cannot stand... I can't stand to see self-righteous people because I know every single one of us are just sinners saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for Christ, all of us would be in hell. Right? We're just sinners. 
Right? Saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. So don't go on the job with some self-righteous, holier-than-thou attitude. Don't look down your nose at anybody. You have no right to look down your nose at anyone. I don't care what position you may hold at your job. Everybody is somebody's baby boy or baby girl. Have you gone out to a restaurant and have you watched people treat a waitress or a waiter disrespectfully? I can't stand that when I see that. Look up to them. Ask them if they're having a good day. Talk to them. Be nice to them. Be courteous. And be sure you leave a good tip. You know why? You know what I think about every time? I'm thinking, here is some daddy's teenage girl that's out here trying to earn an extra dollar to get through school or whatever it is she's getting through. That could be my daughter. How would I want somebody to treat my daughter if she's walking up to their table to serve them? Right? So we don't have any reason to look down our nose at anybody. Right? I don't care how holy you think you may be. Don't show off your self-righteousness in front of other people. Just be real and just say, listen, my name's John. Matter of fact, rarely do I ever introduce myself as a pastor. I just don't do it. I never go, oh, I'm, I'm Pastor John. I'm the senior pastor of Victory Church. I never say that. I walk up to somebody, hey, I'm John. How are you doing today? Matter of fact, we ran into some folks last night from Hoyleton. And they, we got to talking to them. And they're celebrating their 27th, 27th wedding anniversary this weekend. His father is a cancer survivor of like 15 or 20 years, something like that. Just died two days ago. They buried him yesterday. And his family told them to go away up to Grafton and kind of get away and just take a little vacation. And we're sitting there and we're counseling with him. We're talking with him. I'm sharing some things that he can do now to help him get past the death of his father. Not one time did I tell him I'm I'm a pastor. I just say, this is Debbie. I'm John. We live in Mascuda. Not too far from you. And so they just started unloading all their troubles and cares on us. And now one time that I rise up and say, well, I'm a person you can come talk to. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Church. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Holy, sanctified. I can take care of all that. No. Just a dude out there catching one of the biggest catfish I ever caught in my life. Did you guys see that on Facebook? Holy smoke. I reeled that thing in. I'm like... I don't even know what to do. 40 pounds, 39 inches. I don't even know what to do with you. Just lay there. I'm going to go get help. That's another story. Just a guy. You know what? But I want to be the salt. And I want to be the light for Jesus. And I want to be the Christian example. And I want to try to bless people. And I want to try to help people. And I want to try to encourage people. And I want to love on people. And I want to help do everything I can to help you have a better life. That's how I live every single day. But we can't do that if we're going to run around and brag about it all the time. Are you with me? You've seen the self-righteous walk in church. You know who they are, right? You've seen them. We've seen them, haven't we? Come on, Victory. <laughs> you know. All right. It's none of you guys. But no, there's no self-righteous people here today, okay? So don't brag. Number two is this. Don't brag. Number two, don't nag. Oh, nagging is horrible. Don't nag. Don't walk in there and carry. You remember those big family Bibles you used to get? Don't walk in there on the job with your big family Bible. And when you hear somebody curse, just flip it open right there and say, Thou shalt not swear. You hear that somebody's being unfaithful. Thou shalt not commit adultery. 
Look what it says right here in the scripture. You hear somebody talk about a big party or a big drunk they tied on that weekend and you're there on Monday. You're going to be there on Tuesday morning. They're going to tell you about their big party, drunk fest they went on. Don't throw your Bible out there and say, drunkards are going to hell, don't you know? Now, is all that true in scripture? Yeah, it teaches all that, right? Are you with me? But you don't need to be a nagger. You don't need to nag. You don't need to point out oftentimes the obvious. You know what you need to do? Just set the example. Live your life. Let them see something different in you. Let them see something different on how you act, how you react, how you talk, the things that you do. Because here's something I know. Behind every face, there's a heartache. Are you with me? Behind every face, there's a heartache. If I can sit down with you long enough and we can probe and ask some questions, I'll be able to reveal something that will break you down and possibly cause you tremendous heartache and maybe to the point of crying. I've seen it. If you do the same to me, there's some things, there's some pain that I carry behind this mask. There's some pain that I carry. My wife's seen it a few times. Not many people have seen it. But I'm telling you this, behind every face is a heartache. So realize that everybody's going to have some trouble from time to time. And who do you think they're going to go to on the job when they're in trouble and they need some answers? You think they're going to go to that one that comes in every Sunday or every Monday morning on the job talking about the big party they threw? Probably not. You think they're going to talk to the one that comes in on the job every Monday morning talking about how self-righteous they are? Probably not. But if you're that individual that just lives your life by example every day, you're good to people, you're honest, you're a hard worker, you're nice, you're kind, you speak the truth, you react in a way that's Christ-like, you're just being the salt and the light of the earth, they're going to have a problem and they're going to say, you know what, there's just something different about you. Can I start talking to you a little bit about some things going on in my life? And I promise you, if you start living that way, that will happen. It's happened to me numerous times. But don't go in there being a nagger, just pointing out every little thing that's wrong. Number three is this, and I've got I to wrap this thing up. Number three, don't lag. Okay, so we're not going to brag, we're not going to nag. Thirdly, we're not going to lag, what I mean by that. We're not going to be lazy on the job. Are you with me? We're not going to be lazy on the job. The born-again Christian believer on the job should be the very best worker on the job. Are you with me? Why? Because we're living out our faith. We're a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you go to work, don't be that one that's always lazy. Don't be that one that's slothful. Don't be that one that has a poor testimony. Don't do that one that be that one that's always complaining and murmuring and spreading gossip and rumors and fussing. Don't be that person. Are you with me? Go there and set a godly example. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. Let them see Jesus in the way you were. Here's something else that goes with don't lagging. Don't be late. If you're supposed to start work at 6 a.m., be there at 10 till, quarter till, right? I always told my kids when it gets to being on time, a quarter till is on time. On time is late. Late's not accepted. 
Did you get that? A quarter kills on time. On time is late. Late's not accepted. I like to get there early. Right? Be ready to go on the job. Set a Christ-like example with your attitude, with your actions, with your reactions. So don't be a lagger. Okay? Are you with me? Let me give you number four and I'll let you go. Don't sag. What I mean by this one. I'm not talking about getting older and things just starting to drop. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? <laughs> don't sag. What do I mean by that? I mean, don't... You see those people that are on fire for Jesus one week. They're back out in the world the next week. They're on fire for the Lord one week. They're back out in the party gang next week. They're in, they're out, they're up, they're down, they're hot, they're cold. Scripture says in Revelation that if you're lukewarm, the Lord said, I'll just spew you out of my mouth, right? So don't be that one that goes in and, you know, and, and you're trying to set a godly example and people know you go to church and they know you're a Christian, they know you're trying to live right and, and be that person and then go back and fall back into the old way of living and now they see you living a lifestyle that's not, con- not consistent with the testimony that you've been sharing all this time. Guys, you realize... It takes a lifetime to build a good testimony, and it takes one stupid wrong move to destroy it. Are you with me? Every single day you live, you're building this testimony of your life. And people are watching, whether you think they're watching or not, they're watching. And one stupid wrong move, although you can be forgiven by the Lord, right, and you can continue, that testimony now has been almost ruined. And it's going to take another lifetime to rebuild it. So don't sag. Don't fall back in the old way. Don't, don't get sucked into the shop talk, if you will. You know, you can shake your head and say, boys, uh-uh, we shouldn't be talking like that. Or, you know, there's a way you can blow that off. Don't get sucked into that and being part of that because it's going to be inconsistent with who you are as a believer. So I guess in closing, I don't even know what the last slide I have up there is, Phil. If you put the last one, oh, enjoy the break. <laughs> I guess in closing, just live out your faith with a smile on your face and just letting people hear your message in your actions, in your reactions, the way you treat people, the way you work, and what you do. They'll see something's different in you. When you get the opportunity, share your faith. But share it in love. But don't go in browbeating. Just share your faith. The opportunity will rise for you to take that huge spiritual element of sharing the gospel on the job. It will come if you live out those four things. All right? All right, well, that's my Labor Day sermon. Hope and pray that's a blessing to you and you're able to take that to work with you on, on Tuesday morning. So I just want to say enjoy your break, right? For all of you guys that are off tomorrow, enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Um, if you want to go catfishing, I'll be catfishing tonight up in Grafton. So uh, come on up and catfish with us. I mean, I'll tell you, this is, I'll let you guys go. I won't get into all this, but i got a fish story to tell you guys. It's, it's pretty cool, okay? All right, I'm not even going to have the band come up. I think we're just going to dismiss, unless there's something I need to do. Anybody? Does anybody have any questions on giving, how you can give um, through, through the church or directly to the Hannah Project? Does anybody have any questions about this? Because this is really, really important, okay? And I've tried to do the research and, and get everything together for you to make it as easy for you as possible. Does anybody have any questions? If you do, uh, shoot me an email or let me know, and I'll be glad to assist you with that.
Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360, or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.